Bridge Bank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. Bridge Bank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridge Bank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Ariana Prail, in for Alexis Madrigal. Traveling on BART allows riders to move between Oakland and San Francisco in seven minutes, a modern convenience some people take for granted. The iconic light rail system that makes it all possible turns 50 this year. BART has grown from a dozen stations in 1972 to 50 stations connected by 131 miles of track. The milestone comes at a time when ridership hovers around 40% of pre-pandemic levels, bringing major financial challenges. So coming up in the next hour, we talk about how BART arrived at its current station and where the system plans to take us in the decades to come. Join us and share your BART memories after this news. This is Forum. I'm Ariana Prail, in for Alexis Madrigal. Now boarding up, Lake Merritt. This is an orange line train to Richmond. Millions of people in the Bay Area recognize that familiar sound of a BART train arriving. That recording from Bay Area Transit News captured a sound that has become ingrained in Bay Bay Area minds for five decades now. The people who manage and operate BARD have been holding a number of celebrations this month to commemorate the system's 50th birthday amid ongoing tough times as BART continues to recover from a steep drop in riders during the pandemic. As we look back on how BART arrived to its current station, we want to hear from riders. How has BART played a role in your life? What are your favorite BART memories? Are you someone who has a memory of BART in its early years? And you can give us a call at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Get in touch on Twitter or Facebook, Instagram, or at KQED Forum, or email your comments and memories to forum at kqed.org. And here to talk about the anniversary, uh, where BART's been and where it's going, is Robert Powers, BART General Manager. Welcome to Forum. 
Thank you, and thank you for having me. Yes. We also have Dan Brecky, KQED reporter and editor, and our resident BART expert. Hi, Ariana. Hi, great to have you both here. So to kick us off, I'd like to hear one of your most memorable BART experiences. Dan Brecky, I'll start with you. Well, you know, thinking back, I think I was uh, a really early user of BART. Uh, The first time I remember riding BART was I went to a Warriors game on my first visit to the Bay Area in 1973, and the train was running. And, you know, BART was a national story. I grew up in Chicago. And if you looked in Life magazine um, during the 60s when the, the system was under construction, um, it was news, uh, this space-age system with this underwater tube. But um, the underwater tube actually is does figure into one of my main memories, which is um, October 17, 1989, which was the day of the Loma Prieta earthquake. And I was on a train headed to work at the San Francisco Examiner uh, at Montgomery Street, standing up, ready to get out at Powell, and the earthquake hit. And um, the, the, the train took a terrific jolt. Um, everybody gasped. And, uh, and then the platform and the train seemed to shake for, for a while. Um, I realized that that train probably wasn't going to go anywhere for a while, so I got right off and, and walked over to work and not realizing the, the real destruction that this event had caused. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so that's an, an indelible moment. But the, the, the really important moment is the next morning. Uh, and actually all through that first night after the earthquake, BART continued running. And the Bay Bridge was down. Uh, the the absolutely vital transportation link between San Francisco and the East Bay was gone, but BART kept running heroically, I'll say, for the first month after the earthquake and actually beyond until the bridge was uh, was fixed. So, yeah, that's my moment. Wow. Uh, and a very significant one at that. Uh, Robert Powers, I'd love to hear one of your memorable experiences on BART yeah. as a writer, not necessarily as general manager. But of course. Writer. Give, let me give you two. Um, one, just from this morning, I took BART here and then caught the 22 bus over. But I'm on BART coming in today, and the lady stopped me, a writer, and um, just talked to me about how important BART was for her and that she gets everywhere on BART, and she thanked me for BART. I mean, right then, just an experience like that is, you know, I'll take away, you know, years from now what BART means to the to the men and women in the Bay Area. And then I'm going to tie mine. I was going to tie mine back to what Dan said. Um, you know, the first time I was in the Transbay Tube and walked the Transbay Tube um, and what an engineering marvel that was. And, you know, short of the men and women who run the system, uh, it's our number one asset. And just what that link means to the Bay Area and how it has allowed BART to grow with the Bay Area over the last 50 years, I, I would say those would be, you know, kind of bookend my my uh, responses to you. Okay, great. And I'll throw toss mine in there. I, I think my first experience starting to regularly use BART is when I was going to Cal. I went to UC Berkeley for undergrad. And it was an event to go to the city, to go out to dinner at the Cheesecake Factory at Union Square. (laughs) That was like Friday night out or Saturday night out with the girls. Like that was the the big going out. Um, And yeah, we would always take BART to get there. I also um, have right in my mind a picture that we took 
in a BART station, just kind of sitting around one of the th- waiting for a train. And we're like, oh, let's take a group photo. Um, yeah, because it was it was it just represented going out. And yeah, that connection from the East Bay to the big city, um, you know, where a lot of action was happening. Uh, yeah. So that's that's where BART lives <laughs> <Nice>. for me. <laughs> So let's let's go back, you know, now that we have some of these memories and, and a reminder that our listeners, you can contribute your memories as well, 866-733-6786 and forum at kqed.org on email. Uh, Robert, I'd love for you to take us back to when and how the idea for BART was even first conceived. So um, it was a long time in planning and discussion and engineering. Um, and it took like 15 years of planning, eight years of construction. But ultimately, you know, BART opened in 1972. Okay. And um, when it opened, it opened, it ran from Fremont, uh, this is in the East Bay, up to MacArthur. And it was 12 stations in around, I don't know, 28 miles of track, plus or minus. 12 stations, tw- that's when we opened, it was just at East Bay. You know, in 1974, we went Trans Bay. And then since that time, we've gone from 12 stations to 50 stations, um, 28 miles of track to 130 miles of track. And we connect to two international airports. And I, I would, um, not only that, but BART has grown, as the Bay Area has grown, BART has grown. And, um, you know, that BART is so much more than just a transit agency, right? The what we're doing in and around our stations, our partnerships with the communities. We're 50 stations, we're in 50 communities. And our partnership there, it's just been a a marvelous 50 years. Mm -hmm. And um, really, um, uh, the event that happened last Saturday, our birthday party for 50 years was just outstanding. Um, And, you know, and I look forward to the next 50 years. And yeah, so you mentioned some of the parties and celebrations you've been holding, um, a lot of uh, events around the Bay Area. What have those been like? What have you been taking away from them in terms of what people are celebrating about BART and lifting up? Yeah, I think fundamentally it's just a reaffirmation of how important BART is to the Bay Area, to those who take BART on a daily basis or, you know, just once in a while, or even the folks that, you know, don't take BART, you know, the amount of people that we carry and the traffic that we keep off the roads and the improvements to sustainability and the environment, I think it's just a reaffirmation of BART's, you know, integral element of the Bay Area. And Dan Brecky, our colleague Ray Alexandra with KQED Arts wrote in a recent piece that, quote, approximately 15,000 people showed up to ride on BART's first day. They waited for hours on crowded platforms as trains struggled to keep up with the passenger loads, an issue exacerbated by revelers refusing to get off the trains for hours. Can you talk about the excitement over and the fascination with BART when it debuted, the significance at that time? Well, as I said, it was a brand new system that people had lots and lots of expectations for. I mean, it looked different. I mean, well, to to step back even farther than uh, what uh, Bob Powers was talking about, this was the first uh, completely new uh, rapid transit system built anywhere in the United States since around the turn of the 20th century. So that made it a big deal. And like I say, people had big expectations. And 
And one of the things that was going on there, of course, uh, people were curious. They really wanted to see what was going on. Uh, look, when the tube was under construction, um, BART opened it up to, for people to walk through once, I think, in 1969. That's a famous moment where people were, were invited to hike through and see what was really going on under the water, 130 feet below the surface of the bay. So the, the anticipation was huge. And, you know, ridership, I mean, that first day reflected that curiosity. But I think the most dramatic statistic uh, I've seen in, in terms of the growth of ridership and and sort of the pent-up demand that was there was when uh, San Francisco service started in September 1974 from the from the, the, the when the tube opened in September 1974 and you could go from the East Bay to San Francisco and back um, ridership drop went from about 75,000 to 115,000 in a day. So and, and you know, if I were writing the history, and there are a couple of very good histories out there, um, but if I were writing the history, I'd say that was really the moment where this dream of having a system that kind of tied the region together was really realized in some form for the first time. Well, let's try and get one caller before we get to the break. Jess in Alameda, you're on. Hi there. Um, I just wanted to say that there is a small but mighty contingent of BART users who are on the spectrum, on the autism spectrum. My 13 years old is one of them. He and his friend who live in Clayton will um, meet up. They'll each ride the BART. They'll meet at a, at a meeting point, and they'll take the BART as sort of entertainment and as, as a fun activity for them on the weekend and ride it to the terminus and back. They take videos, they upload videos to their YouTube. They love BART, they love everything about it. And it is a joy for them. They both wanna work for BART when they're older. So, and I know they're not uh, they're not alone in that. There's... Yeah, well, that's a really lovely uh, story to share. Thanks for sharing that, Jess. And I'm sure that's really nice to hear and maybe you'll have some applications coming across your desk. We are hiring right now, so look forward to seeing those. <laughs> And, you know, one thing I'll say is when um, when parents get kids uh, involved in transit earlier, uh, early, early uh, in life like this, uh, that's building a lifelong habit. Uh, you, you become familiar with the system. It's There's nothing strange or fearful about it. And, um, and that's a great thing to hear. Well, we're talking about BART's 50th anniversary with Dan Brecky, editor and reporter for KQED News, and Robert Powers, general manager at BART. And you, our listeners, sharing your BART memories, how BART has played a role in your life at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Or you can email us, forum at kqed.org. I'm Ariana Prail, in for Alexis Madrigal. More forum after the break. Riding out past Dublin, you miss a few stops, but you learn the bait emotion so quick, just like this. One time, so young, so dumb. I was like, hey, let's take a flick. I was wanting to stunt. So I jumped on the track to take the Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. 
Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Ariana Prail, in for Alexis Madrigal. This hour, we're talking about BART's 50th anniversary. I'm joined by Dan Brecky, editor and reporter for KQED News and our transit guru, and Robert Powers, general manager at BART, a.k.a. Bay Area Rapid Transit, uh, for those that might not be familiar. But of course you're familiar. Uh, so, Dan Brecky, um, the backdrop to the celebration that we've been talking about is the reality that BART has experienced a massive drop in ridership due to the pandemic that isn't readily bouncing back. Can you talk about the decline in ridership since March 2020 and where things are now? Sure. Um, You know, the shorthand I've used for it, and it's not for just for BART, it's for every transit agency, is that uh, the pandemic blew up uh, their way of doing business. I mean, overnight, literally, ridership went away, except for, uh, at first, just a very small contingent of essential workers, uh, mainly. And um, it's, in Bart's case, um, and in the case of other, um, you know, similar Bay Area transit agencies, and I guess the one that I would point to is Caltrain, that return to pre-pandemic ridership has been uh, excruciatingly slow. Now, here's the, the, the overall context that I think, um, you know, has to be recognized. Um, and, and Bart tweeted this at me uh, the last time I, I talked about this on the radio, was that the return to work in the Bay Area has been very, very slow compared to most other cities. So right now, BART uh, weekday ridership, and that's really where the revenue has been historically. BART was a a real standout in terms of its uh, fare box recovery, uh, 60% or more historically. Um, But um, that's just not happening anymore. And so where ridership is now, uh, weekday ridership is uh, 40%. It just hit 40% for the first time of its, of its old uh, baseline, uh, not average. And so, you know, it's going to be years getting back, not just for BART, but for, for most other agencies as well. And Robert Powers, what has BART been doing to bring writers back? Yeah, a couple things. And, and to add to what Dan said, um, you know, when COVID hit in, and, you know, everybody was— um, kind of sent home the uh you know we our ridership dan bottomed out at around six percent of baseline if i could use that term like you did and you're right we like tuesday wednesday thursday of last week we were pushing like 42 percent of baseline and so you know we're slowly coming back up and we were very proud and still are very proud of historically our fare box recovery that's with our ridership we were you know well north of 60 percent you know we're in the 70s and the 80s but that funding model doesn't work anymore. What worked in the past is just doesn't work now anymore with COVID and where remote work is going to land there. And so we're doing a couple of things. I've said in my um, interviews that ultimately public transit has got to be complementary to this remote work. 
And wherever the equilibrium settles, you know, is it three days in the office and two days remote or wherever that settles, those days in the office, I want folks taking BART or public transit, those three days. And so to do that, we need to improve on the, the experience the riders are having. The one, the reliability when we're coming in the headways that we're at. So, you know, kind of show and go service. You don't need to really know. You just show up at Montgomery. There's going to be a train five, six minutes, you know, and go. That's one thing, the reliability. No more canceled trains. Um, Second thing is, you know, improving the customer experience is the cleanliness. You're taking BART from, you know, wherever you're going, East Bay into the city, the city into the East Bay or the South Bay, you know. the cars, the stations, all picked up, looking very squared away and cleaned. And then the third one we're really doubling down on is our progressive policing and a presence in the system. And both non-sworn with ambassadors and crisis intervention specialists and when appropriate and where appropriate, sworn officers. So those are the kind of the three areas that I'm really doubling down on to improve our ridership is the reliability, the cleanliness, and the presence in the system. Mm-hmm. Oh, and Dan, you like to Well, you know, and I, you just mentioned canceled trains. And, um, you know, when I was coming in, I thought I'd get going uh, early so I would have a little bit, bit of time to uh, prepare uh, so I'd sound really good on the air. And uh, I was waiting for the uh, San Francisco train at North Berkeley, and I let the Berryessa train go by, stupidly as it turned out, because uh, there was a San Francisco train right behind it. And then right after the Berryessa train uh, went by, the train was canceled. Yeah. And, and so I think what people really want to know is, they're seeing cancellations like this. I've seen this often when I've been on BART, small sample size, granted. But what's behind those cancellations? Yeah, fundamentally, powers. yeah, it's, and you do sound good on the air, Dan. You got in early enough to sound good <laughs> on the air. So um, look at fundamentally behind those canceled trains is the staffing. You know, folks call in sick. And, you know, that's we have to do something about that. And our extra board, it's called, you know, that's supposed to to carry us through those times. Somebody calls in sick or is out for a long time. Um, like any other agency or company, I, in my opinion, that's in the transit business, we're having a tough time staffing up those positions from train operators to station agents to communication-based train control engineers. It's a tough row right now to staff up on those. Um, but so, you know, we're working with our HR department and really doubling down on always having that advertisement up for train operators and station agents, working with our labor partners and what we can do. We have, we've have right now, Dan, a better relationship with labor. Those are the men and women who are driving the trains, opening the stations. And I think it's that partnership that's going to help us navigate these canceled trains. Mm-hmm. Well, let's get to some callers uh, who want to share some memories with us. Jade in Oakland, you're on. Hi, thank you. Um, I was on BART um, during the earthquake, Loma Prieta earthquake. Always drove to work. I worked at the H House Project in San Francisco, lived in Oakland. That day, World Series Day, I had lent my car to my partner. The bridge was out, the conductor said. <laughs> we were on the train between Montgomery and Embarcadero when it shook like heck and stopped. And the conductor got on and said, the bridge is out. Stay tuned for more information. And he sounded so panicked. We at first, when it first shook, we were 
you know, laughing a little bit, like, what could this be? It felt like a roller coaster. But then when he said that, we were like panicked. And then he got on a little bit later and said, okay, we're going to evacuate the train from the farthest train car back. Mm -hmm. So everybody, one by one, little by little, even though we were told to stay seated, one by one started peeling back to the back car to get off first. But then all the doors opened. We were between stations. It was dark. We had to kind of make our way against the wall. We were holding onto the wall in the dark in this between stations, and we got soot all over us, of course, kind of sliding left, 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 until we got to the Montgomery station, got upstairs, and there was broken glass everywhere oh, wow. and crowds of people looking around trying to figure out what was going on. And I wanted my partner to know that I was safe, but people were on line to make phone calls. We didn't have cell phones then. And um, nobody was getting through locally. So I called my brother when I got my turn. I called my brother in New Jersey and asked him to call Oakland. And that worked. But people trying to call locally, it didn't didn't work at all. I mean, yeah, it just that memory. Yeah, your memory combined with Dan's. Yeah, it was. Yeah, Bart is a part of the Bay Area, and the in the Bay Area, um, yeah, went through a big. I don't know if that just. Yeah, you. I, I had it easy compared to you. Yeah. Well, well, thanks um, for for us to remember. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing your your memory with us, Jade. And I let another listener, Darian, writes. The first day of the Cross Bay Tunnel, I went with my family to ride BART. I was eight years old and so excited to go under the bay. We all stood on the platform, and as the train door opened, I got on the train. Turned around to see the doors close and my family on the other side. I started panicking and crying. Oh, this is taking a turn. I wasn't ready for that. (laughs) I started panicking and crying, and a kind woman with kids took care of me, getting off a couple stations later to deliver me to a station agent who started making announcements. We have a lost child here at the station. What seemed like hours later, but was probably less than 30 minutes, my family appeared outside the station enclosure and we were reunited. Pretty exciting adventure. Later when I worked in Oakland, I became a regular writer and I still take BART to the East Bay from SF sometimes. I still marvel every time I go under the bay. Um, Dan Brecky, this just reminds me of what you were saying, kind of that relationship that you build, you know, starting at a young age and how that can carry into adulthood. Yeah, I, you know, um, if you grew up around a big city in Chicago, you know, it was the CTA or I lived in the south suburbs. It was the Illinois Central, now part of Metra, which is a great, uh, you know, commuter rail system. But, uh, yeah, I I think it's like anything else that uh, any other good habit you try to instill, um, it can really uh, resonate throughout life. And Robert Powers, you were, you were started speaking some about um, the growth that that Bart has experienced across the the past five decades. Can you talk um, more about how Bart has expanded along with the region, and also about the growth in the South Bay? Because um, we do have a question. Armando writes, "What's the story behind why the Bart line wasn't extended to San Jose in the early years of construction?" So, um, yeah, let me go back a little bit. So when it opened, you know, it was 12 stations and about 28 miles of rail. We're at 50 stations, two international airports. And, um, you know, the discussion was at the time, you know, the three counties, Alameda, San Francisco, and um, uh, Contra Costa County for the three counties that we were in. And then we had a phase one extension working with um, 
with um, VTA, um, our partner agency uh, in Santa Clara and San Jose. And so we have that first extension opened that picked up Berryessa and Milpitas Station. And really, that has opened and has been um, nothing but a complete success. And it's really been an uh, like it's been an integral member of the BART family since. You know, once we opened it, we didn't have any problems with service or reliability. It was just a great success. And so right now, we're uh, in the process of, of extending that all the way around into San Jose and to Santa Clara University with um, VTA as our lead agency on that and BART as a partner on that. And what that will do is, Dan knows this, the Bay Area has always had a vision of ringing the Bay with rail, right? And there's that one piece that connects down to the south and around, and we'll be able to do that. And you will have very robust service in and around the Bay Area on that ring. Sometimes if it's barred, it's, it's you know, 15-minute headways, and then there'll be other s- systems there that'll, that'll complement that. But really, ringing the Bay with rail has been a vision of the Bay Area, you know, certainly since I've been here. Okay. Well, let's actually go to another caller, Nicholas in San Francisco. Nicholas, you're on. Hi. Um, I was hearing about the um, concerns about lower ridership, and I was wondering if there's been any thought given towards uh, either expanding the hours of BART or expanding the hours on weekends, because a lot of times it's not very reliable on weekends, so people don't end up taking So I'll take my comment off here. All right. Thanks, Nicholas. Robert Powers. Sure. The um, two things. So weekend ridership has rebounded much, much quicker than weekday ridership. And so, as Dan said, we're weekday ridership, we're pushing about 42 percent. I think weekend ridership, we're in the 60 percent right now of baseline. And so right now, um, with our staffing and the need to get some maintenance in the system, you know, extending the hours is is something that's probably out in the future. But, you know, we're looking at what's possible for additional, I don't know, headways or improved headways on the weekends and the nights. And that'll be a kind of a February discussion with the BART board that's really going to focus on um, weekends and night opportunities to improve service. Mm-hmm. And, and I was going to say, um, yeah, yeah BART just did um, institute a new sort of more rationalized schedule for uh, to t- try to get uh, the weekend schedule to match the weekday schedule a bit more yeah. uh, just this uh, just this past week. And so that's something that's, uh, you know, that they are thinking of. And, yeah, um, weekend ridership has actually uh, been a bright spot. And, Robert Powers, you just mentioned the board and, you know, fitting introduction because we also have now Latifa Simon, BART board member, joining us. Uh, welcome to Forum, Latifa. Good morning. Hi, everybody. Hey, Bob. How you doing? Hi, Latifa. I'm well. I'm doing so good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I just got off of BART, actually, to okay. make it to my office. So. Nice. Yeah. We, we were on time, right? We were on, well, we were on time today, and there was actually a pretty full train. It was good to see. Excellent. Nice. So, Latifa, you know, we've been reminiscing about BART memories with with listeners and, and the panel. And I'd love to hear about your personal experience with BART as a writer um, and, and and maybe what spurred you out of that experience to to run for uh, the BART board when you did. Yeah, I'm a Bay Area native. And in so many ways, the iconography of BART 
is, is deeply embedded in our DNA as Bay Area folks, as young people um, exploring the Bay. Um, I was an organizer and an activist, you know, since my teen years and going from San Francisco to Oakland to be involved in programs like youth radio. I was a, a young organizer with an organization called the Young Women's Freedom Center. That is amazing. We were consistently all over the Bay using BART. But honestly, you know, as a young person and one of the reasons why I decided to run for BART is um, it was expensive. And as a young person who grew up low income, I was a young mother. It was very, very difficult to navigate the Bay. Um, and folks who were making decisions about uh, transportation um, oftentimes didn't have the perspective that I and others who've decided to be a part of a transportation justice movement have. Um, particularly when we're thinking about, again, accessibility and affordability, um, those are issues that are near and dear from my heart as a transit-dependent person. Um, and also, you know, as someone who deeply cares about every single person, how we live, how we play, how we work, um, how we learn in the Bay Area. Um, I, I wanted to be a part of an institution that is critical to our livelihood, but oftentimes so ignored in the public conversation, unless there's a problem. Um, I thought it was important for me to join a conversation in a community um, that not only is central to the Bay Area, but that is about solving problems. And frankly, now being a part of the BART community for six years, knowing that we have almost 4,000 employees who are every single day trying to fix those problems, is really humbling. I'll stop there, but try going to the Hayward Yard and seeing those mechanics, you know, under the trains trying to fix things or, you know, our police officers, which you would never six years heard me cheer a police department, but we have a response time of less than four minutes. That's better than any other Bay Area city. Um, and so the things that we um, are priding ourselves on are also, it's been interesting, the things that uh, with Bob's leadership and others um, on our management team, it's been great to be a part of an institution who is reflecting on uh, our hardships from police reform to uh, timeliness to cleansiness. Um, to again being able to survive during the pandemic, it's been it's been amazing. Well, we've been talking about Bart's 50th anniversary with Dan Brecky, editor and reporter for KQED News, Robert Powers, general manager at Bart, and Latifah Simon now joining us, Bart board member. We'll have more of your memories, and after the break, you can reach out at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Email us, forum at kqed.org. Get in touch on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We're at KQED Forum. Tell us how Bart has played a role in your life your favorite BART memories. If you have an early memory of, of BART when it um, was in its early years, we'd love to hear it. I'm Ariana Prail, in for Alexis Madrigal. More Forum after the break.
Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Ariana Prail in for Alexis Madrigal. We've been talking this hour about BART's 50th anniversary. That's five decades of BART in the Bay Area with Dan Brecky, editor and reporter for KQED News, Robert Powers, general manager for BART, and also joining us, Latifa Simon, BART board member, and you, our listeners. So I'll actually go to caller Garrett in San Francisco. Garrett, you're on. Hi there. Um, I just recently this weekend tried to take BART Garrett, are you there? But oh wait, Garrett, I was, can you repeat your? You said you were trying to take Bart this weekend. Yes, I was trying to take Bart this Saturday, and I guess that was the uh, 50th anniversary. And um, I guess it was pretty funny because the the trains were not operable in the Trans Bay Tube, and I had to take an Uber to the East Bay. Um, and this is consistently, I mean, I've been riding BART since I was a teenager. Um, and this has always consistently been my experience with BART. Um, and I would also like to comment that it'd be great if BART could uh, maybe cater towards the weekend crowd and continue service to have the last train at like 3 a.m. so that people can actually visit the bars either in Oakland or San Francisco or the surrounding Bay Area. Um, But as far as that goes, that's all I have to say, really. Okay, thanks for your comment, Garrett. Bob Powers, what's your... Just a quick uh, comment. So first, I'm sorry you had that experience on BART. The the challenges we had Trans Bay with our Trans Bay crossing happened on Sunday, and uh, there were some technical problems and challenges there. We quickly uh, got our arms around that. Um, but again, I'm sorry about that. And then it, I might have misspoke. The actual 50th birthday party was two weeks ago, not last Saturday. So I apologize for that. It kind of um, all rolls together. But look, you know, the nights and the weekends are very important to BART. We're looking at that right now. And our next service schedule changes in February. And that's going to be, you know, kind of front and center on what we can do there. Okay. And Latifa Simon, I'm wondering if you can also, uh, you know, one, share what some of the, the top priorities for the board um, 
are coming up. And then also just give us a little insight of what, you know, your role as a BART, BART board director is. And and I can just say, you know, knowing you and, and following your leadership, it wasn't until you ran for BART board that I realized that, you know, BART had a board and that that was something that, you know, you could do as a, as a public servant. And so I'm, I'm just interested in, yeah, one, hearing a little bit more about that role, and then two, what's, what's on the docket and at, at top of priority list for the, for the directors right now? <clears throat> I love your question for two, well, actually for a few reasons. Um, there are only three elected transit boards in the United States, but there is a transit authority in, in all counties, essentially, all, all um, sort of urban counties in the country. It's Barrier Rapid Transit is one, two is AC Transit, and three is the Denver system. Am I right about that, Bob? Yes. Yes, you are, Director. And, and what's unique about that is the nine members of the BART Board of Directors, we have to run for election every four years. And we have to prove uh, to a constituency, my constituency spans 19 cities and three counties, um, that we um, will will sit at the dais and we will work for the residents um, within our districts to represent their needs and their wants. And again, we have a very diverse populace in the Bay Area. What's has been important to me, um, and it's been amazing working with uh, with Bob and and the team over the years, is prioritizing affordability. Um, it, BART has been expensive, although it's I believe less than. 20 cent a mile to ride it's still it's it's expensive in a in a in a very very aggressive economy also again the accessibility ensuring that folks young people elderly people disabled people um our teachers our doctors our nurses um they all have an opportunity to access the, the access the system in terms of the board the larger board our role we are a policy making board so at the same time, a lot of people in, in the communities that I love and I represent, you know, I get emails every day. Folks are looking for jobs or folks are, are really angry that they didn't get um, their train or they missed their train or they had a really tough experience with someone on the train who was having the worst day of their lives. So while we hear a lot of the customer complaints, what we are able to do is connect with staff literally in, in real time on those. Um, but what we're really concerned about now, and I can't speak for our president and vice president of the board, but one, we're, we're, we're working very closely with, you have to understand, almost 70% um, of BART's operating, and I'm sure Bob talked about this earlier, comes from the fair gates. During COVID, we lost a tremendous amount of our ridership. So we've been working very hard to ensure that our both federal legislators and our 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 state legislators know and understand um, the importance of the Bay Area, one, maintaining and us coming up for air as uh, we slide back into some kind of normality. Um, secondly, we, you know, we have a ton of new cars that we've been working on getting on, on track forever. We are trying to modernize a system. We're trying to modernize the system in ways that when people talk about Europe or they talk about um, some of the systems in, on the East Coast, we'll be upgrading our fare gates. We'll be, we are very, very much focused on bringing in new talent as a part of, of again, the BART family. We need station operators. We need system cleaners. If you go to BART.gov slash jobs, you'll see where we are hiring. Um, but we're also concerned as a board um, of not only making it through COVID, but the goal is to create a world-class transit system. And let's just say this, and then Bob, you should tag on, BART was built 50 
plus years ago, but the planning spanned back. Unlike New York, where there's about 12 tracks, we have a very different system. We had leaders in, in, the, in the public public space who, who couldn't have imagined that we would have a Bay Area, uh, the Bay Area that we have today. So we're locked in in many ways in terms of how we can expand, should we expand, um, how expensive rail is to expand. Um, but we're, we're doing our best to ensure that, you know, in the decisions that we make now from our TOD, which is, again, we are building house, we're working with developers and community members to build housing close to transit. Um, that these decisions that we make now um, not only benefit us in the short term, but really, you know, for my daughter's generation, she's 11, she will, she will inherit a BART based on the decisions that we're making around land use, around affordability, right? um, around security and safety. Uh, so those are some of our priorities. And why I decided to, to run for an office that many folks didn't even know existed, again, for a few reasons. Me being a low-income young person, a teen mom, um, having to navigate with, again, a low-paying job throughout the Bay Area. Um, and particularly, I was extremely inspired by our community who took... Uh, who made who made it their business when Oscar Grant was murdered to confront the BART board of directors and to confront uh, our 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 police chief and our police system to create a more equitable system, um, and I think that that movement has gone just beyond policing in our system. It has really moved to a sort of all areas uh, to ensure equity. Uh, and thoughtfulness and how we treat each other within our system. We, of course, have a long way to go, but being a part of a policy body that determines how people move to and fro, it's probably one of the greatest, and has been one of the greatest, uh, will be the greatest uh, honors of my life. Well, let's go to another caller. So we have Andrea and Concord on, actually. Andrea, we'll go to you. Andrea, you're on. Hey, good morning. Um, I really appreciate this conversation. I have always loved taking public transit, and um, and you know since since lockdown, I've actually uh, stopped taking it, um, even though I'm going to work all the time, because I actually don't find it to be that commuter friendly. And so, being able to take calls, you know, the background noise is so incredibly loud, and um, service is often reliable. Trying to use my cellular hotspot, and I'm curious about you know, what the upgrades are that are planned to try to fix some of those problems to encourage commuters to continue to take transit, um, especially compared to other state-of-the-art uh, transit systems that tend to be quieter and have Wi-Fi offered. And happy to take my answer off the air. Bob Powers, yeah. Yeah, a great question. <clears throat> a great question. So we have a project underway to improve our wireless throughout the whole system at BART through all five counties. And um, that project is already under construction. So you're going to start, the riders are going to start receiving the benefit of that in the very near future. Secondly, as to the noise, we have, um, that's been something that's been a challenge in the past, but we have this new um, wheel rail profile. I, I can get into the details, but I'll, I'll stop there. But really it is, it's a better profile between the steel wheel and the rail and which really reduces the noise of the cars as they come around curves and um, are accelerating. So I think, you know, with those two coupled together, I think that experience and the ridership, you know, when folks are riding are going to really see a benefit there. Okay. And now I believe we have Sarah 
from San Francisco. Sarah, you're on. Yeah. Hi. Thanks for having me on. And uh, thanks for your leadership, general manager Powers and director Simon. Um, my name is Sarah Bars. I'm on the board of Seamless Bay Area. And I was the co-author of Seamless Transit, How to Make Bay Area Public Transit Function Like One Rational, Easy-to-Use System. And I, I just want to acknowledge that BART's been a huge champion of seamlessness. And BART early passed our seamless transit principles. Um, but that said, we continue to still have a pretty fragmented transit system here in the region. So I'm just curious, how do you think BART can do more to encourage seamlessness and create a more connected transit system um, in the region now and into the future? So, another great question. It's kind of right in my wheelhouse. I spend a lot of time on this. And this is, uh, the topic is network management and connectivity. And so let me just kind of tell you what the operators are doing right now in the Bay Area. So we hold, I hold a a Monday meeting at nine o'clock. Ever since COVID hit, which was you know 30 months ago, every Monday at nine, the operators are getting together with a very detailed agenda, and we're working through, you know, coordination, cooperation, and integration. You know, we're looking at scheduled meets. We're looking at how we can improve wayfinding. You know, so it's consistent whether you're taking AC Transit or Muni or BART or VTA. Um, the recent successes on our, you know, fare integration. You know, right now we have the Bay Pass, and it's a pilot program where students at four universities can ride unlimited transit, and it's proven to be a great success. And the goal there is to expand that to employers, to affordable housing developers, um, to really make it um, easy and accessible to take public transit. But the caller's right. There's always room for improvement there. And we're working with MTC, the Metropolitan Transportation Commission, on, you know, better connectivity and, you know, making it so a rider's experience is independent of the number of systems he or she has taken, that it's just kind of this one ride. And um, where BART is, you know, kind of in the middle of that right now. And um, I think you're going to start seeing some of those successes. Well, just a reminder to our listeners that this is a fundraising period for KQED. I'm Ariana Prail, in for Alexis Madrigal, and you're listening to Forum. You know, I, I just Dan wanted Brecky. to uh, yeah. interject something, too. Um, you know, part of the problem we're talking about with uh, seamlessness and uh, regional connectivity is, um, and and Sarah could tell you this for sure, is that we have 27 different transit agencies in the Bay Area. And... Um, you know, the Bay Area has a history of good public transit going back uh, to the beginning of the 20th century, but it's always been fragmented. And uh, this is the challenge, uh, integrating BART. I mean, you know, it's not so simple to sort of set uh, integrated fares, which will be the same among agencies, or figuring out how to balance uh, revenue uh, when when uh, different agencies are dependent on certain uh, revenue levels. So this is a work in progress, and um, and actually, I think there is going to be. At, we were talking about the board. Uh, it meets at five o'clock Thursday, and I believe the this wayfinding, which is a fancy name for new signage, right. uh, is going to be on the agenda yeah. on Thursday. So, if you want to see what uh, right. we're talking about there, mm-hmm. great. 
Well, I have a couple more comments. Nathan writes, I grew up in Michigan and their public transit is virtually non-existent. When I moved to California in 2012, BART was the first regional metro type train I ever rode. I'll never forget it. I've traveled a bit now and realized U.S. metro systems are underutilized compared to the world. Other countries have figured it out and I hope we will in my lifetime. But these systems are far more valuable than whatever it costs to build them. So that's kind of got a, a forward-looking um, bend in, in terms of, you know, wishing that the U.S. systems will kind of catch up to, you know, some of the, the more efficient systems that we see just kind of as the norm in, in other places of the world. And so I'm curious, um, Bob Powers, what will BART look like 10 years from now? Um, what are you looking to? And then Latifa Simon, I can also have you chime in after as well. So uh, um, 10 years is a, a good horizon. I, I think you're going to see a very different BART and public transit in the Bay Area in the next 10 years. But let's focus on BART. So just coming into the system, you know, we'll be, you know, Clipper 2 will be up and running, which is um, you'll be able to tag in either with your Clipper card or just your mobile phone. You won't even need a Clipper card, right? Much like, you know, London or Hong Kong. So, you know, just when you get into the system, there'll be new fare gates system-wide, um, that, you know, are reflective of the Bay Area and, you know, with new technology there. The vertical circulation, the escalators and the elevators will be vastly improved, especially at the downtown stations where we're already embarking on on that. And I would remind you that BART was the first ADA, a fully ADA-accessible system in the country, and, we, you know, we're going to continue to do that. Um, we're going to have improved service on the nights and the weekends. Right now, Dan, you take BART quite often, half of the trains in the system are the new cars. And when you're out there talking to the riders, when I'm out there talking to the riders, they love the new cars. But in 10 years from now, it'll all be new cars, right? And the fleet will have grown to about 1,000 cars, and they'll all be 10-car trains in the system. We'll be able to run these trains at better headways, you know, which means better service for the customers. And then I wanted to go back to what Director Simon said and double down on, you know, in the next 10 years, you know, plus or minus a little bit. You know, the board has challenged us and, you know, had given us a goal to build 20,000 housing units on BART land with 35 percent of those housing units being affordable, you know, and that's. Um, by 2040, so not quite 10 years, but pretty close. And so we've, you know, that's a challenge in our development in and around BART stations, you know, is going to be a high priority. We've built 3,200 homes in and around BART stations right now, and about 30% of those are affordable. So you're going to see many changes in the BART system that really are going to improve public transportation and, and maybe back to the caller that, you know, it, it's more reflective of the value of the system. Well, we've actually run out of time, but we've been talking about BART's 50th anniversary with Bob Powers, general manager at BART, Latifa Simon, BART board member, and Dan Brecky, editor and reporter for KQED News. And you, our listeners, thanks for all your comments and reflections on BART. And thank you to my guests. And, yeah, happy anniversary to BART. <laughs> I've been Ariana Prail in for Alexis Madrigal, and you've been listening to Forum.
Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio, the Germanicos Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, the Heising Simons Foundation, and the Bernard Osher Foundation, supporting higher education and the arts. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country. We need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.